So we explained yesterday the idea that the purpose of the British creating the world was to be made to us, and therefore the Hatava is to be Davik and to attach ourselves to Hashem in the next world. That's the ultimate joy of Olam Haba. And the question is, has Hashem run the world in order that there should be a kibbutz shoshleimim, a perfected community in the end, and each person himself has Hashkacha, has Hashem um, run the world in order to pr- give the person that opportunity. So first, Ramchal says that is talking about Hashkacha in general to the world, how are we able to reach that stage and how the setup of how it's possible to be Davak by Hashem in the next world. So if it's a hernia, it's a taif. And memela, there are people who are doaveris, and people do mitzvahs. So the main true main reward is in the world to come. Right? Tzchar b'hay al-maleka, reward for mitzvahs, is not in this world in general. But, so it works like this, that for a tzaddik, well, who has just a few averis, then he'll be punished for his averis here, and he'll go straight to Gan Eden in the next world. In Russia, just has a few mitzvahs, will be rewarded for his mitzvahs here, and will be sent straight to nothing when he's done. The Beninim, the in-between people, will be sent to Gehenim. They will have a chance to have eternity, to live in the but that's only through the purging, that's what the word purgatory, the purging of the 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 guf that makes it able to from the Averis that w- prevented the attachment to Hashem and through the, the point of Gehenim is the Rachman of Hashem, is the kindness of Hashem to allow a person to be Davak Hashem in the next world through 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 Gehenim. Was Korach a Benoni? That's a... I don't know where that question comes in, but... It, no, because, like, God uh, didn't he get... Like, there's a list of people in the Gemara that got, like, you know, super punished. Korach is a, is, a, is a very different status, but Korach was Chaim Sha'ila. He went he went alive to forever. It seems it's... He actually, I don't get into it, but it seems... Uh, no, he's not more than a Benoni. He didn't go to Gehenim. Doesn't have a chel Haba. Got like super it seems that it, it's it seems the way I understand it, but what I, but I don't get into it is that Yardu Chaim Shoyla actually means that he went sort of alive, meaning instead of his guf and neshama disattaching, and then he, for Russia would be that that would just be the end, right? And for a a um, I mean, there's really no Gehenim. Doesn't seem there's an, a point of Gehenim in general for Russia. Um. And the re- the reason for that is, is because the point of Gehenim is to be is to is to be mezakech. What about like the list of Rishayim in the Gemara where it talks about who is it like Yashka? Ein lem chelik olam habayim. No, not just in lem chelik. Oh, that the nidoinim la al meilamim. The Roman emperor turns from his father. Right, so that, different people. It that seems like, to something got else. In poop and right, like, so uh, so the 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 that seems to be a chayim shayla. We'll talk about later on the Gehenim for Hashem, but but in general, that's a, it's a special din of Chaim Shola. They actually did not a separation of Gof and Neshama and went and got punished forever. But that's that's something else. But in general, the point of, of Gehenim is a Rachamim of the, allow a person to be cleansed and therefore be Davik by Hashem. No, it's not Gehenim. That's not called Gehenim. 
Right. That's a, that's a, totally different. It's a saying. It's Chaim Shaila. It's a lot of hakdamas to that. He missed, but it's a lack like, lack of separation of Gufa and Neshama. Looking into this more deeply, we see that besides the fact that this is required by fairness and justice, it's also based on the essential concept of man. We have discussed how good deeds, how good deeds incorporate an intrinsic quality, perfection, excellence into man's body and soul. Very important to understand that. I mean, it changes in the Shem as well. Evil deeds, on the other hand, incorporate into them a quality of insensitivity and deficiency, or with a precise measure depending on the deeds, no more, no less. The righteous man may maintain himself a large measure of brilliance and excellence. And on the other hand, because of the minority of evil deeds he has done, there is in him an admixture of darkness and repugnance. As long as he still has this mixture, he is neither prepared nor suited to become grown close to Hashem. Meaning the, the Averis prevent him from being dubbed by Hashem. The highest mercy, again, there is a Rachamim decree that some sort of purification exists. There is the general idea of suffering. God gives suffering the power to dispel the insensitivity of man, allow him to become pure and clear, preparing for the ultimate good at its appointed time. The amount of suffering needed to purify the individual will then depend on the amount of insensitivity that is acquired as a result of his deeds. So, the idea of suffering, and the Mabit explains, you have to make for it, you have to re- re- realize that Hashem is talking to you, and telling you that He's pure, for, re- talking to you and telling you that what counts is not this world, and through that, the purification of the guf, and then a person could do that, and not need to go to Gehenim. In many cases, the past was physical suffering alone would not have the power to dispel this insensitivity. In such cases, spiritual purification in this whole world is also necessary. The details of this are so numerous that the particulars are beyond the grasp of human intellect, so sometimes you need both of, of uh, a purification in this world and the next world, and sometimes in, in one of the two. There are still some people, however, who are absolutely wicked as a result of their deeds and have incorporated in themselves such great darkness and insensitivity that their bodies and souls are actually corrupted. They are therefore unfit to be drawn to God in any way, manner whatsoever. It's, it seems that there's an idea clearly over here that at Lush and Ram also, Nevin Mena Oilam, that even the Neshama is Nevin Mena Oilam. It is possible, nevertheless, that even such people should have some good deeds. When placed in God's honest balance, however, deeds cannot bring the individual to the side of true good, neither by virtue of their quality or quantity. If his deeds would so, could, could so balance him, then this individual would not be considered absolutely wicked, and would then be counted among those who are continually purified until they reach a state suitable for the ultimate good. Still, if these good deeds were totally unrewarded, the attribute of justice would be flawed. It was different the creed that these good deeds would be rewarded in this world, as discussed earlier, their merit therefore used up and does not have any effect incorporating the true excellence of such an individual. So, again, so, so for Rish, uh, Rish, uh, Rosh Gamar, who doesn't have any way to connect to Hashem in the next world, the purification won't do anything for him, he's too um, separated from Hashem, he will get his reward in this world for whatever good deeds he's done, and then after he dies, he is Nevad Mena'olam, it's over. This principle contains another important concept. In the perfected community of the ultimate future, not everyone will attain the same level. The highest student determines the lowest level upon which a person can exist and still attain perfection and attachment closer to Hashem. There is, a low, there is a bar, as we just explained, that some people make and some people don't make it at all, don't make it to the next world. When individual deeds bring him up to this minimum level, meaning that he will have he can be a member of the perfected community and delight in Hashem forever. One who does not attain this minimal level on the end is destined to be cast aside completely and annihilated. Nevertheless, even within this community, different levels exist. The greater one's merit, the higher level he will attain within this community. So as we explained already before, the Mechal really talk about this, that the higher the, and the more person is Davik and Hashem in this world, the higher his level will be in the, in the next world. Someone asked me, the Shabbos, 
If anyway, the Ramchal says, and we learned before, that there's a continue, continuation of growth in the next world as well. So what's the big deal if, if, next, if the next world are below? But anyway, I'm going to continue growing anyway, so I'll get there wherever I need to go anyway. But that's, the answer to that is two things. First of all, there, there's a continuation of growth, but it depends where you start, depends where you finish. Meaning, even if you to say everyone grows on an equal level, so if you start at one, and after, I don't know, whatever years, after a thousand years, so you end up at a thousand, right? But if you started at 900, then after a thousand years, you're going to end up at 1900. Another thing I think is a big difference is that if you start off at one, then your pace of growth is probably not, for example, wouldn't be one. If the pace of growth of someone who's a big tzaddik is one, just make up numbers, is one level per year, then the pace of someone who's just got in at the bottom level will be one-tenth of that per year. So not only will you not start at the same place, I don't think the pace of growth of your ability to be double by Hashem will ever be the same. Does have sort of a curve? Like once you get into the habit of being double by Hashem, you grow quicker? Yeah, I mean in the next world? We're talking about the next world. What do you mean? Okay. God's plan was that man himself should be complete master of his own good, both in general and particular. In general, man can therefore not attain good unless he achieves it through his own effort. This is also, however, true, this is also true, however, of each element of this good, which is only meted out according to the individual's precise needs. Each individual's ultimate levels are for the result of his own choice and attainment. This seems to be the idea that Ramchal keeps on saying that a man is rewarded for his effort, meaning we don't judge... Um, with the, the, the judgment is by Hashem and based on his setting, right? A person can never say, I'm not going to be like Moshe Rabbeinu. It's true. You're not going to be like Moshe Feinstein. It's impossible. Um, for someone who is, grows up watching TV six hours a day and with a smartphone to be Moshe Feinstein. Um, but you can be, we can all be much better than we are. And that's, all, that's what Hashem expects from us. So that is, so, uh, but the, our judgment is based on where we were placed and where we got from there. The members of the affected community will therefore be divided to many levels, high and low, great and small. Not sure the difference between high and low, great and small is. Give me a second. Each individual's level will not be the result of anything other than his own choice, and not, no one therefore will have any complaint against one another. This principle contains another important concept involving how one's deeds are judged to correctly ascertain their effects in determining his love in the affected community. Every deed is judged as to whether or not it should benefit the individual status in this community as well to the extent to which it should do so. Though there will be certain deeds which according to the fear and precise judgment should not provide the individual any benefit whatsoever in the ultimate future but should rather reward in this world. Individual who did not judge this manner will see the reward for his deeds in this world and then remain in a permanently inferior state among the lowest of perfected community. In some respect, it is very much like the case of those who are completely rewarded in this world and not in the world to come. There is, however, a great difference between the two. So again, sometimes we don't know why, but some mitzvahs are rewarded once in a while in this world, and then they will not help that person in the next world get more dvekas. In the case of the absolute wicked discussed earlier, the benefit of their deeds is completely used up through their reward in this world, and they therefore cannot experience any eternal life. 
the class that we are now discussing, on the other hand, does not attain eternity through their deeds. Even though they may require a great spiritual purification, they nevertheless retain a portion in their eternal existence. Because of the spiritual damage caused by a sin, however, the only thing that the good deeds can attain for them is the minimal level mentioned, a great portion of the merit, whoever is rewarded in this world. This, this is so... Even though these individual deeds would normally result in their having a higher level of affecting community, the fact that a judge reward in this world prevents them from attaining that level. According to everything discussed in this section, we can understand why the righteous suffer and the wicked prosper. In addition, we see how the ultimate punishment is also part of the preparation for the ultimate true reward. And I'm explaining, I'm going to over and explain this paragraph. This is a summary of what we learned. The good that the righteous retain, attain in this world, however, involves a completely different concept and will be discussed presently. Everything that we discussed in the chapter deals with the second aspect discussed in the chapters beginning namely the preparation of humanity as a whole for the future world that which involves individuals however entails a completely different approach and this will be the subject of the next chapter so first again we discuss the general way of Olam Haba Olam Haza Gehenim and reward and punishment for the general people for, for the for the Kahal in general on an individual level he's going to that's the next chapter called Hashkacha Ishes individual providence so so the general answer, the right, there's a Gemara that asks Moshe Rabbeinu, asks uh, Hashem, you know, why do, what, what, uh, you know, why do tzaddikim, why do righteous suffer and the wicked prosper? And it's a Machlekes in the Gemara whether there's an answer, according to some. But it does seem to be, well, we'll, we'll discuss it again at, at some at later point as well, you know, why this doesn't completely answer the question. But the general answer that he gave was is that tzaddikim in general, when they suffer, it's because to get rid of their ikov to dvekas in this world, to get rid of any, get punished, sort of punished for any avarious, and the reason for that punishment is a chesed. The reason for the punishment is not just because they want to punish, but in order to allow them to be dubbed completely by Hashem in the next world. And so that's why tzaddikim suffer. Why tzaddikim sometimes don't suffer, that will be explained in the next paragraph. Why Rishayim get rewarded in general? It's because since they will not have a fear in the next world, so therefore Hashem is always fear, and therefore they have to get rewarded for their mitzvahs. Therefore they get rewarded for their mitzvahs in this world, and they're never like the and then they're lost forever for the next world. So I would seem to answer why Tzadikim. Yisuriyat Tzadikim by the Mazev, Rishayim. It doesn't completely explain it because sometimes we see Rishayim who prosper and tzaddikim who, 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 who have a difficult time in this world and tzaddikim who have a good time in this world. Now, it's not necessarily a question from the outside, from us looking in, because we could say maybe it looks like a tzaddik, but he's really not a tzaddik. Maybe it looks like a rasha, but he's not completely a rasha. Or, but there's also, as you can explain, there's a, there's a more Ashkach Ishes that, right, why Hitler wanted was Matzliach. Sort of, he was rewarded in this world for his efforts, right? Is that what it was? Because he was rewarded? No. So, so again, we'll see there's many other rules of Ashkacha. You know, for example, that would be a Nets of Hashem, that Hitler was Matzliach was because Hashem wanted it to be for whatever reason, and it wasn't because of his great skills or as a reward for him. Okay. Now we're going to talk about individual providence. We have already discussed the fact that man's task is to exist and choose good in a world containing both good and evil. The individual concepts of good and evil are extremely numerous. However, since a good consists of every possible worthy quality, while its opposite includes every bad quality. The elements of good and evil exist as opposites. Thus, for example, pride is a bad trait, meaning gaiva is always bad, while its opposite humility is a good one. Again, not everything is like that, that the two extremes, but this is one of them. 
Mercy is a good quality, while callousness is the opposite. The trait of being happy and satisfied with what one has is a good one, while the, op- but the opposite is bad. The same is true of all other traits. What is that? What is that? Callousness. The highest wisdom determined every possible quality that can be included within the limits of the nature that man must have in order to fulfill his ultimate purpose, meaning all the Midas in the Torah are here, so we should be able to perfect ourselves and come and, 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 and train ourselves to have the better Midas. God then brought into existence all these qualities, together with their causes, effects, and everything that surrounds and accompanies them, decreeing that you be able to exist in man. In order for these qualities to exist, it was necessary that the individuals be divided into different stations in life. Each of these stations then attests for a particular individual, allowing all these qualities to exist, and giving them the opportunity to strive against them and embrace the good. Thus, for example, if wealth and poverty, poverty did not exist, there would be an opportunity for people to demonstrate either generosity or indifference. The fact that wealth exists allows the rich to be tested with this by his advantage, determining whether he be generous or indifferent to the poor who need his help. The poor are likewise tested to determine whether or not they will be satisfied and thank God for the little that they have. So everything, the first rule of Ashkacha is that besides... Besides for reward and punishment, there's the setting man is placed in in life. That setting is where Hashem says, it is where you're starting from, and this is where I want you to go. Meaning rich, poor, good family, difficult family, good friends, not good friends, smart, stupid, tall, short, whatever you are, Hashem puts you somewhere and says, this is, from, this is your battlefield. It's not because of reward and punishment. The setting is that we are placed in a sometimes reward and punishment. But the beginning setting often has nothing to do with reward and punishment. It's just every, every person has a difficult, different battlefield. And there's no battlefield that's not a battle. Meaning whether you're the richest person in the world that has numerous, numerous battles. Whether you're the poorest person in the world that has numerous, numerous battles. Whether you're on the average person, there's numerous battles. Everyone has struggle. The point of life, as we always say, is to struggle. Right? You're supposed to embrace struggle. Does that sound right, Menachem? No, it's a very non-American ideal. American ideal is you're supposed to sit back and do nothing. Right? And then you're successful. If you can do nothing, you're successful. That's not how Yiddish guy looks at it. The point of life is to struggle successfully. If you want to do anything, you need to struggle. If you want to grow in any field, you need to struggle. If you're a computer uh, you know, technician and you want, to, you want to grow in that field, you have to struggle to learn more. If you're so a, as a yid, the point of life is to embrace struggle, and the Hashem always puts us in a struggle, and we're supposed to not say, "Oh, we have we have a struggle." Say, "Thank you, Hashem, for giving me a struggle, and I'm going to try my goal and my point of life is to succeed in that struggle." There's a one short article about this guy in Mexico. I think I said it before. Who, one of vacations, British American goes to vacation in Mexico, and sees this guy fishing. Mexican fisherman. And, you know, he takes a small net and catches some fish and goes to sell it. And she has to, tells the Mexican, you know, if you borrow a few dollars, you can get another fishing boat and then, you know, sell more fish. And, you can, you know, make you can a lot of money if you just, you know, work a little bit. You know, if you plan according, you know, plan your business well, you can make a, you have a bunch of fishing boats and make a lot of money. And he says, and then what do I do? Then you go fish. Then what I do? Then I go fishing in Mexico. That's what I do now. So I mean, you you came to do go fishing in Mexico. 
I go fishing in Mexico every day on vacation. So that's one way to view life. That's the ultimate goal, to do nothing. It's a very not-Jewish outlook on life. I've been asking him, what do I plan to do when I retire? What, what do I, what, what I want to retire? I'm saying, if I'm a computer programmer, I want to retire from being a computer programmer because I just do it, if I just do it for money. But if not, I, then what would I do? I do the same thing. And now again, sometimes you might not, might not be giving it, you know, when I'm Mitzvah Shem 95, I might not be giving this Hashkafa share. But, uh, you know, someone else might be giving it. But retire in terms of not learning, I'm saying as, as long as he can learn, right? Father Kind Hara is high 80s. He's busy. You know why he's busy? He's Tamachachim. He learns. All he does is learn, eat, and sleep. A lot of all of them. You know? And between every Seder, he takes a nap at this point in his life. And he eats and gets up and has another Chabruzah. And he's a happy man because he's busy. It's a mission. It's a mission. It gives him what it gives him what to do, but the point is he feels that he has a, a, a still a a point to being alive and a, and, a, and a goal to accomplish. So it's not about it's it's about whatever so wherever Hashem puts us, our challenge is to take from there and to grow, and not to say vey again. Some challenges are very very difficult. I'm not putting that down, obviously. But for a regular person, for sure, and even for a person who has really hard struggles, nevertheless, what's the difficult, difficult job is to be is to recognize that Hashem put him in the struggle and to say, I'm going to accept it and try to succeed and do what Ratzon Hashem from there. That's the first rule of Ashkoch. Again, is that we're placed, we'll continue to say that tomorrow, is that it's not about reward or punishment, it's just our placement, the struggle that we're placed in is every person's has their own peckle, as they say, and that the job is to succeed from that space. Shalom Aleichem, this is Menachem Weinberg. These Yorim were given in Yeshivas Ahavas Atera, Cleveland. For more information, visit yeshivasahavasatera.org. Thank you.